It's often said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. As Catholics, we need to understand this saying on two levels. The first, more obvious meaning is that a good intention by itself is not sufficient moral warrant. Catholic moral theology holds that a proper intention has to be allied with a proper action. We can't do a wrongful action, like for example stealing, and justify it by saying that we have a good intention, such as giving the stolen money to the deserving poor. This is what's wrong with utilitarian philosophy. Utilitarianism in its purest form teaches that no action is inherently wrong, and thus any action can in principle be justified if the good consequences produced outweigh the bad. Morality becomes merely a matter of calculating outcomes. But there's another level to which we understand the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It stems from the profound metaphysical insights developed by St. Augustine and later refined by St. Thomas Aquinas. Both of these great saints held that, in the strictest sense, no person ever acts from a bad intention. Now, that might seem like an absurd statement. All of us, I hope, would agree that some things that people intend to do, and actually do do, really are bad. For example, serial killers, or terrorists, or child abusers. These people commit actions that are intrinsically evil. They have no possible justification whatsoever in any circumstance. Yet what Augustine and Aquinas say about such persons is that, from their perspective, they intend to accomplish a good. Subjectively speaking, they think they are doing something good, even when objectively considered what they are doing is very evil. Many of you have probably seen the movie The Dark Knight about Batman and the Joker. At one point, Batman's trusted and wise butler, Alfred, offers this insight into the Joker's nihilistic psyche. Some men just want to watch the world burn. But even an outsized comic book villain doesn't disprove this point. From the Joker's perspective, spreading chaos and destruction are good things. People always have some motive or reason that they choose to do the horrible things that they do. They have something that they consider good in doing what they do that outweighs the reasons not to do it. Now, in the case of the Joker or some other wanton criminal, of which we sadly have too many real-life examples, the thing that they consider a good is actually gravely evil. It's a particularly perverse idolatry of their own desires and selfish wants. But as we see in today's gospel, any desire or intention, even for something that is otherwise laudable and good, objectively speaking, is still wrong when it puts us in the position of subordinating our obedience to God to that other thing. The one man said that he would follow Jesus, but let me go first and bury my father. Burying the dead is one of the seven great corporal works of mercy. Similarly, the other man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. The fourth commandment tells us, honor thy mother and father. That would certainly seem to include telling them if you are about to depart, to follow a wandering rabbi to Jerusalem. 
The gospel is not trying to tell us that bearing a parent or giving courtesies to one's family are bad things. In 99% of situations, we can do these things and obey God. In 99% of situations, we are obeying God in doing these things. But rather, what the gospel is trying to tell us is that ultimately, none of these good things can take precedence over God. In those situations where God says, follow me and don't look back, well, don't look back. In the Christian life, there will always be testing points. Not necessarily between good and evil, as evil is commonly understood, but many times between something that is merely good and something that is saintly. Between the highest good that we see for ourselves and the highest good that God has in store for us. In those situations, to choose the lesser good is to choose what is, in effect, evil. Because it's going against the will of God, which, in the long run, is the only true measure of good. St. Paul tells us, for freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul speaks here of freedom from the law. The old law presented many challenges to the Jews, and they had trouble keeping it in its entirety. But the old law had many safe harbors as well, many niches where one could rest content that one had fulfilled the letter of the law, even if one didn't quite fulfill the commandment to love God above all else and to love one's neighbor as oneself. Yet the new covenant in Christ changes this. It sets us free from the legalistic demands of the old law, not for the sake of laxity or so that we can fulfill the desires of our flesh. To throw off the yoke of slavery means to be set free, to fulfill the law of love all the more perfectly. That means the freedom to respond with charity, grace, and mercy in all situations, no matter what the circumstances. Under the old law, there was a shadow of these things in certain prescribed situations. But under the law of Christ, the freedom that we have in Christ as Christians, it should flow abundantly everywhere and to everyone. Under the new law, we live by the Spirit, not by the limitations of the flesh. We have the courage to love unconditionally. Not to love only when our own needs are met, when our own buttons aren't pushed, or when we happen to be feeling particularly generous. And so we should recall the words of St. Francis. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born unto eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.